0: Welcome to this first Sunday of 2021. What we normally do on the first Sunday in any given year is have a Vision Sunday, and so we'd like to be able to do that today, and I want to be able to give a bit of a financial update, and then we're going to jump into uh, what we sense God's saying as some priorities for the coming year. Uh, by way of financial update, we want to just be able to give some good news that in 2020, we met all of our... Uh, financial expenses. And so thank you so much for your faithfulness and generosity. Thanks be to God for for just watching over us and allowing us to be able to do the things that we believe that he gave us to do. You know, there was some research that was done in the churches across Canada during the time of this pandemic. And what the research revealed that there was only 7% of churches we're able to kind of uh, stay on target for the budgets that they had planned for 2020, and uh, you know we're on that seven percent, and so that's just incredibly exciting, and uh, it really speaks of uh, of your commitment to to follow God and to be responsive to Him even in times of difficulty. So thank you so much for that. As we look forward to 2021, what we uh, really believe that faith looks like is to stay uh, faithful to what he's given us. And so we want our budget for 2021 to match the income of 2020. We're not planning for any increases. We're going to reevaluate in a number of months after we see how the vaccines have rolled out and, and kind of, you know, where things are at in, uh, I don't know, three to six months in that kind of range, we're going to see kind of how things settle out. But for now, we really believe that faith looks like um, holding fast to what God has given us and building our projections in the future built on the past of what what we've seen. And so uh, this has caused us to do, to make two significant decisions. The first is to take the, um, you know, what that what the income was last year, and decide what to do with that. And our, our decision was to value and to invest in people over the particular ministries that we're doing. And this looks like two things. One is we're going to be um, finally paying Jonathan Mitchell a full salary for the work that he's done. He's worked uh, with a part-time salary for a number of years now doing full-time work, and so we didn't believe... That this was right going forward to continue to do that and so we have made the adjustments to be able to pay him full-time and we've also invited uh tim Froes to come on full-time as a pastor in our church and we're going to do something more special in the future but we just want to be able to say now that we're excited to be able to tell you that that he has uh, been a neighborhood missionary he's really been a servant behind the scenes on what goes on 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 a on a Sunday for all the production. He's just been an invaluable part of our team. And he's raised uh, a good chunk of his support, but we want to be able to top that off in terms uh, of using the church budget, that we believe that this was the right thing to do to honor him uh, for the way that he serves us and for the way that he contributes to the need in our community and reaches out uh, beyond our church. Now, what that means is the second implication of this is that we've asked all of the ministries in the church to reduce their budget by 50 percent. That uh, in order to be able to honor the people that have been serving in our church, we're just going to need to do that for a season. Again, we'll reassess, see how things go, but we felt that this was the right thing to do. And uh, during the COVID time that uh, That often means that there is less expenses, and so we're hoping that it's not going to be felt uh, too much by the different ministries, but it is what we've decided to do at this time. And so you can really be praying for the ministries in our church, for kids' church and youth and communities, um, that God would multiply what, uh, what they have in order to accomplish the work that God's given them to do. Beyond the budget for any given year, we always have a particular focus, uh, an outward focus that's beyond the walls of our church of something that we want to contribute to. And so uh, we're really excited to say that what the the board has decided to do is to have Nabil and uh, Miriam, they are going to be going uh, back to the Middle East, and they're going to be working with an Every Nation nonprofit group. to serve the Middle East and North Africa and they're gonna be they're planning on at least you know who knows what's gonna happen but they're planning on leaving in April and we would really like to be able to support them as a church they have been incredibly faithful and in raising their own support uh, but we want to somehow be able to show as a church community that we're behind what they're doing and so we're going to be asking you to uh, to be prayerful about how to contribute to supporting them uh, in this new move. And so as we look, it should be about, 40, it's about $500 a month that they're going to need on top of what they've already raised themselves. So this would work out to, if they leave in April, this would work out to be about $4,500 for 2021. And so again, we're going to talk more in the coming weeks about how we as a church can pull together and support them in this. Uh, if you've gotten to know this couple and their family, they're just amazing. And they have deposited so much, not just in our church, but really in the churches across the Lower Mainland, helping people have an outward vision to care for refugees. And uh, we're excited to be able to see them move into this next phase of ministry and um, go back to their, their home country and serve people in that place. So that's something that you can be keeping in mind for the for the coming year. And finally, we've also been really praying. We don't have any decisions, but we want to invite you to pray. We're praying about how to either find or purchase some kind of ministry center for our church. What we're finding is our church is growing. There's more and more people on staff. There's, we need to have kind of a centralized place for the staff to be able to meet, for us to be able to hold meetings, And uh, it's just becoming more and more difficult for us to be able to do that. You know that our church always wants to be uh, more of a scattered church than a gathered church in the sense that we really want to go into the city and reach people where they're at. And so the irony is is that the more that we want to reach out, the more that we need to be able to have a place to come together to build that identity, to have support, and uh, to really build the team. And so we're really asking God, in 2021, what does it look like for us to be able to have a space that we can kind of call our own, that we can uh, then do ministry out of? And so I'd invite you to be praying for that and uh, for the elders and board as we seek God on these things. So that's just a bit of an update of, uh, of where we've been and kind of what we're thinking about in the future. And uh, we're really excited about all of those things. Uh now, in terms of today's sermon, we're taking a bit of a break from the Established series. We, uh, uh, I'm going to be doing this Vision Sunday this week, and then for the next four weeks, we're going to be joining with all the Every Nation churches around the world, doing a series that we're all doing together called Awesome God. And so we've, we're doing something a little bit different this year. We always join in on what everybody else is doing across, around the world, Every Nation world. But we're going to be inviting some, uh, some pastors to come and preach uh, on those weeks. And it's kind of easier to do because they can, you know, preach wherever they're at and then send us their sermon and we can then broadcast it. So that'll work out really well. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I, I've, I just love it when we get a chance to hear from our larger Every Nation family what God has put on their hearts. And so this is really the This coming month is really going to be an every nation focused kind of month where we get to hear from people as well as join in on the week of prayer and fasting and consecration. And so this is just going to be a really exciting time for our church. Uh, But so this allows a bit of a break for us to do Vision Sunday this week. Now, I always find it interesting when I think about the new year, what, um, what people's new year's resolutions are like, what they resolve to do in the coming year. And so I just quickly googled what the typical New Year's resolutions are in Canada. And here's kind of the top, the top list. And it's all about improvement. Uh, The first thing is that people want to improve their health and their fitness. Then they want to improve their finances, perhaps do some more saving and spend a little bit more wisely. They want to improve their leisure time how they vacation and travel, that's a priority, what they want to improve. They also want to improve their bad habits, in other words, get rid of them, but uh, they don't want to have as many bad habits. Uh, They want to improve their time with their friends and family, that's a priority. And finally, they want to learn something new, learn a new instrument, a new language, but they would like to learn something new in the coming year. And so these are what people think about when they think about having a better life in the coming year now what our resolution is is a resolution or a resolve it's a it's a it's a time when we commit ourselves to having a better solution to the problems that we see in our life and uh, and this just is so you know ingrained in us this idea that I'm gonna commit myself to improving my life, to have a better solution to my life problems. I'm gonna commit myself to being a better version of myself in the coming year. Uh, This has been a a perspective that I remain uh, deeply concerned about. I feel like my responsibility as a pastor in this church and as a teacher of God's word is to provide a, um, how do I say this? Uh, To provide biblical problems, what the Bible says is our problems, and what the Bible says is the solutions to life's problems. And so it's just very easy to look at what the world does and go, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that there's some Bible verses that we can find to support that and we'll just go along with that. But Uh, is the way that the world thinks the way that the Bible thinks? And I would suggest, no, it's not. Here's the problem with a self-improvement mindset. There's lots of problems, but I'll just name one. And it's this. If you succeed at improving yourself in 2021, you'll just become proud. And if you fail, which the odds, I'm sorry to say, are very high, you'll uh, condemn yourself. That a self-improvement mindset leads either to pride or condemnation because it's all about personal performance. And so there's really no way to win with a self-improvement agenda. Either you become proud and arrogant and you look at other people and go, wow, you should have tried as hard as I did this year and maybe you would have accomplished what I accomplished. Or you don't succeed and you go, see, I knew it, I knew it was a failure. I knew I would never succeed at anything. And so what a performance mindset does is it's never helpful in terms of our personal well-being. And so what we know that the Bible teaches, and it's really not up for debate, because the Bible told us what its priority is in Matthew 22 and elsewhere, and that is to love God and to love our neighbor. We've summarized that in Matthew 10:8 as to freely receive and to freely give love. That love is an alternate life path to self-improvement. And it's hard to understand, and I appreciate this, it's hard to understand that they're actually two very divergent paths. And the more you and I commit ourselves to a path of self-improvement, the more self-focused we become. And even our relationships become self-serving. And the path of love is entirely different. And we're going to unpack what that path looks like, hopefully for 2021 and far beyond. But it's a very different way of thinking, and it's a radically different way of living. And so, uh, so what I have for us in this year is three hopes regarding walking this path of love. And there's three things, and it lines up with God, one another in the world because that's what our, our purpose is, and our purpose never changes, because we believe it's what the Bible teaches. But I'd like to uh, go a little bit deeper into what it means to, to love God and to love others in this coming year. And so there's three things that I would like to look at. The first is fellowship with God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, it talks about us have having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In 1 John 1, Verse 3, it talks about having fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And so if you were to summarize what Christianity is about, it's about having fellowship with God. It's a, it's a radical thought that is unique among all religions. Now, the word that is, that is translated into English as fellowship The Greek word is a word called koinonia. Now, there are some uh, theologians who would like to have the word koinonia uh, not be translated into English. Similar to how we say Hosanna or Hallelujah. These are kind of transliterations where there's a word that's so rich in meaning, it has to stay in its original language for the full breadth and depth of that word to be valued. Uh, scholars, uh, some scholars would say that koinonia is that kind of word, that fellowship just doesn't really capture all that's going on, um, friendship, or even union. It's, it's not quite grabbing all that that word uh, means. Here's some other uh, synonyms for the word. It means communion. So when we talk about taking communion, uh, it's actually an allusion to koinonia. It means to be to participate, to be one with. Another word is indwelling. It's a word that is trying to capture what the relationship uh, in the Trinity is like. That they are one God in three persons, not three individuals but three persons living in perfect harmony with one another. And so when God invites us to have fellowship with him, he is inviting us into the relationship that the Godhead enjoy with one another. They're so united, they could only be described as one God. And so God says, I want to invite you into my oneness. Well, that's much different, really, isn't it, than the idea of fellowship, where, you know, i like us to hang out now and then and get to know each other better. No, this is an incredibly uh, profound, spiritual, divine word that even the Greek can't fully capture. Now, I would venture to say that as beautiful as this word is and as grand as the invitation is, to be one with God, to participate in the relationship that they enjoy together, as much as profound as that is, I would venture to say that this is the primary problem that you and I have in our relationship with God. That somehow, what we do is we uh, view God as an abstraction. And our relationship with God is largely functional. I would like to go to heaven. I'd like to be blessed. I'd like all, you know, I'd like better health, better finances, more leisure, get rid of my bad habits. I'd like to have better uh, time with my friends and family. I'd like to learn something, cause that's amusing for me. Um, but I would like some help with that. And so God, you describe yourself as being almighty, sovereign Lord. You look like you would be a good resource for this. And so I'll make you a deal. I'll worship you as God, I'll follow your ways, obey your commands, because you seem to like that. And, and in payment, I would like some things from you. And so we engage in a contract with God. He never seems to fully uh, do what we expect him to do. We resent him for it and then wonder whether he's really good or powerful. And the problem is, of course, never whether he's good and powerful. The problem is we engage in a form of relationship that he's just not interested in having. He wants something far more profound, far more about love and connection and communion and union. And we, I think, often prefer a more functional relationship, a contractual relationship. I would venture to say that this is this is most of our problem when it comes to uh, to having a relationship with God that we just really don't understand what he's wanting from us. And so he'll say, you know, I want, I want you to love me. And then we'll go, okay, well, I'm, I'm tithing. I'm, I'm, I'm participating in church. I, I read my, but what more do you want from me? And he says, I want your heart. And you, and we throw up our hands and we go, like, it, like the the list of demands never ends, and it just gets more and more invasive it, it, it you, you're you're more and more demanding and we we resent God wanting koinonia with us as if it's as if it's a demand on his part um uh, you know sometimes when our our kids were younger um I would, I would say to them, you know, um, hey, I'm going to go. I have to go run an errand. Do you want to go with me? And uh, what my kids would often ask is, and it looks like a reasonable question, of course, uh, where are you going? And I'll, I'll say Home Depot. And then they go, I don't know if I want anything from Home Depot. Yeah, I don't think I want to go. Or I'll say, well, what we can do is we can stop by McDonald's on the way home. Oh, okay. So if I endure Home Depot, then I'll get McDonald's. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I want to spend time with you. Because when we get to driving the car, we often have really good talks and, uh, it is just a way to hang out. And what my kids are doing is calculating the cost-benefit decision to, uh, to spend time with me. Now, griefly, as, uh, as my kids have gotten older, they've moved beyond that. But it's a childish way of thinking. It's a self-centered way of thinking. And, um, and loving people don't think like that. But we think like that towards God all the time. Let's see, uh, 10%, 10% tithe. Um, I wonder how much time I spend at D group and then Sundays. I've got to factor that in. I don't have to drive anymore, so that's good. And we're like, we're working out. And then how long, Uh, there's a new app where I don't have to, I don't have to read the Bible as long. I can watch a video now on it. And so that's efficient. And God is, is going, my love for you has always been inefficient. I, I died for you. I changed the core of my being. I'm now fully God and fully man in Jesus Christ. I changed the very core of my being that I could have koinonia with you. And you're deciding a cost-benefit analysis of my relationship with you. Can you see how I mean this is just but here's the problem is that anytime somebody provides an answer for us as to what koinonia looks like we hear that answer through our functional grid. And so, you know, I was thinking for for uh, for this year I was I was wanting to exhort us yet again to read our bibles and to pray. And then I couldn't do it. Because I was afraid that if I said yet again to read your Bible and pray, you would hear function instead of koinonia. Because every time we describe the relationship, our flesh reduces it to what we're familiar with, and that's performance, a performance-based relationship. It's just where our mind naturally goes. And so you can imagine how frustrating this is for God or for preachers, Uh, to try to describe what koinonia is without us hearing it in a way that reduces it to something that will either condemn us or make us proud. Nevertheless, it's what must be done, because God is inviting us into koinonia. So here's listen to the two ways that we could describe this. Uh, The performance way, the self-improvement way, A resolution for 2021 would be this. I will commit in 2021, and you'll probably write it down somewhere, perhaps in a prayer journal, I will commit in 2021 to read my Bible and pray at least five times a week. Isn't that a great, uh, you know, mission to have for the coming year? Five times a week. Seven would be unrealistic, and so I need to be realistic because I don't want to condemn myself. And not keep my promise, and so I'll make it five, three. I barely need, you know. I could pull that off now, so I think five would be a, a reasonable target for 2021. Entirely misses the point of koinonia. But you and I might make a make it. Maybe we already have made a resolution like that. Here's what. Here's what. What I'm suggesting. Father, I choose to be in Koinonia with you this year. It's what my heart longs for. And so I'm probably going to read my Bible a lot. I'm probably going to pray without ceasing, as 1 Thessalonians tells me to do. I'm I'm probably going to give, and maybe it'll even be sacrificial. I might suffer this year. But I don't know about any of that. I just want to be with you this year. I just want to be with you. And I'd like to express my love to you in ways that show how valuable this relationship is to me. I want to spend time with you. It would be my privilege. Could I do that with you this year, Father? You see, in both ways, you'll probably pray and read your Bible. But for entirely different reasons. So what my heart longs for in this year is that, uh, what my hope is, is that you would embrace koinonia with the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. That you would long this year to say, Father, I barely know what fellowship with you was like, but I want it. I want it. Could you fulfill my heart's longing this year to be in fellowship with you? So number one. Number two is fellowship with one another. In 1 John 1, verse 3, it talks about fellowship with the Father and the Son. <clears throat> and then it says that if we have fellowship with them, then we have fellowship with one another. Now again, this is that word, koinonia. It's not I attend meetings with uh, people that I hope will be my friends. It's uh, I'm, in, I'm in communion with you. One of the ways that theologians describe um, describe fellowship is as a dance. That there's there's two persons, but they're moving in in perfect harmony with one another. This, of course, would never refer to me, <laughs> because I can't dance. But it would. Uh, but it's this idea that two people are so synced that they're in koinonia. In in marriage, is described in sexual terms. In church, it's described as being a, a, a one body, that there is no uh, severing of a hand. There's, there's just connection, and I can't be me without you. Do you see church that way? Do you see the body of Christ as uh, who you are and what you are and what makes you who you are? One of the things that I've been talking with my family about is, uh, is how in the church we've idolized marriage and really uh, undervalued Christian community. That If you want to be an author, you don't write on Christian community. Nobody will buy a book on that. They'll buy a book on marriage. They'll buy a book on, on, on uh, parenting. But very few people are going to buy a book on how to be a better church member. Uh, it's, and, but but uh, our relationships in the church are our only eternal human relationships, that we will be the body of Christ for eternity. And so this is just a super big deal, you guys, that what if 2021, we would move out of a functional relationship with the church into a koinonia relationship with the church? What if, you know, our commitment would be, this is now about fellowship with one another, instead of, um, I want Y, X, so I'll do Y. I want friends, so I'll go to D group. I want, um, I don't want to be lonely. Uh, I, I'd like to learn some things. I'd like to learn more. So I'll attend some stuff. I'll pay my dues. How much is it, 10% again? We'll we'll see. We'll see whether uh, the church performs well enough for me this year, whether I'll give my full tithe. I'll I'll save it to the end. But don't worry, I'll I'll, I'll be fair. I mean, Koinonia just doesn't think like that. Koinonia says, um, uh, I'm going to engage in my D group. I'm going to engage my heart in a few manner a few women I'm going to engage my heart in their lives in the D group will just be the beginning of the relationship, not the end it'll just be a, a way to get together because I can hardly wait to see them and then and then that'll just the relationship will move from there um, Sundays uh, I join at actually 10.30. thirty I don't just I mean sometimes I'll have to but but typically I'll join at 10.30. i I'm not going to wait and just watch it at my leisure i'm going to be Because not because I have to or because I I don't want to look bad, I want to be able to write in the chat. I'm here too. I'm with you. I'm identifying with you. I'm part of this family. This is my church. This is my community. I belong here. Can you imagine how radical that is? Koinonia is radical. Radical in our relationship with God. It's radical in our relationship with other people. Radical. Everybody treats everybody else as a commodity. Everybody does this. There comes a point in relationships where it's just too much. So I just move on. And to actually humanize humanity requires that we be in Christ. And as we participate in koinonia with with God, that now flows into his body, the church. And now we experience a level of unity and togetherness and identity that the world knows nothing of. I watch people move into Koinonia in a local church, ours and others. And here's the, here's the process that seems to me that the first is you come in with expectations, it, it usually has a lot to do with, uh, with loneliness. I, I would like friends and so they move in with what friends should look like and which usually is what they look like you know they like the same movies or the same sport or same way of leisure same same sense of humor whatever it is and then they 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 go into a church with a set of expectations of what fellowship means and then always always i would say uh, to move into Koinonia, you go through disappointment, and it's kind of like, oh, you're all different than me. You're, you're not a hand, you're an elbow. I was kind of hoping to just have a group of hands. That's what I was hoping for, but I mean, okay, I okay, get body grace, Christ, okay. And then you have to kind of work through uh, disappointment, because to join is a, is a dying experience to those expectations and to my pride. And then you come into gratitude. And you come into a place where you say, This is my family. This is my home. It's not the best home. It's just my home. These are my people. And I love being here. And I can hardly wait. I don't just want to get information later. I'm going to, I'm going to be there on Sunday morning. I'm not just going to I'm not just going to read my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible with my friends in a D group. That's what I'm going to do. Like it's just it's just you can hardly wait to be together. Debbie and I, when we when we go on vacation, uh, it's really hard for us to go away on a Sunday. I just hate missing church. I just I just want to see everybody and uh, and uh, at home, I'll, I'll tell you at home, we're having a real problem getting the video to work properly on our TV. What I do on my phone is I go in on my phone and I, I say hi because I want you to know that I'm with you because, you know, the way technology works is we're kind of moving off of this and onto this new platform. I get it and that's great and so that's not, we're not quite getting there yet in our home but I just, I'm just with you and I want you to know that and then I scroll through and I just see who's there. I'm not judging I just go, oh, they're here. Oh, man, I wonder how they're doing. And I just miss everybody so much. And I see their name in a list, and I feel closer. Because I want to be in koinonia with you. And it means something that even if we can't be in the same room, at least we're all in a, in a similar place worshiping together. And that's, that's got to be good enough for now is koinonia. And finally, as God, one another, what about the world? Well, here's the awkward thing about the world. Is you actually can't be in koinonia with the world. But what we can be is in friendship. There's, there's a tension in this. Matthew eleven nineteen. this is one of the accusations that was brought against uh, Jesus, is that he was described as a friend of sinners. James four 4.4 says the opposite of this, that a friend of the world is an enemy of God. But then in John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world. I mean, it's confusing, right? Are we, to be, are we to befriend the world or not? Well, we're to be in the world and not of it. But here is my exhortation to you for 2021. Make some friends with people who don't know Jesus. I have a, I have a really good friend of mine, who decided this year to become a follower of Jesus. Is incredibly beautiful. I have so much respect for this, for this guy. And he made an observation. He says, one of the things that I've noticed in, among Christians is they're often trying to convert me. And they're often trying to convert others instead of just be friends. I thought, man, that's true. It feels too costly. So I'll just convert you. I'll just slip in Jesus right away because it's most efficient. And then I'll see whether you're open or not. And depending on whether you're open or not is when I'll, whether I'll be your friend or not. I mean, that's so heretical to how Jesus treats us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we're deciding whether it's beneficial to really invest in them or not. Don't really want to play the long game. It might not churn out. And then I will have wasted years being someone's friend. Isn't that horrible? we do that, don't we? I've done it. And I'm asking in this year that, uh, that what you've received, koinonia, with God and his people, that as you've received koinonia, give that away to those who have never experienced it. Be their friends. No, it won't be ideal. You won't be able to run together, but you can be a friend. And that extension of koinonia, just as Jesus came to earth and extended the fellowship that he has with the Father for us to enjoy as well, we now do the same. The fellowship, that the koinonia that we have with God, we now extend that into the world around us. This is going to radically change how you view evangelism. Evangelism isn't about whether you've done, you've been good this week. Did I did I share my faith? Did I go through the Christian message? Was I, was I serving enough that's all about performance love says i just care about you i just i just care about you um, uh, a self a performance self-improvement mindset says for 2021 i will share my faith more in 2021 I, I i please don't do that let me suggest this I'll befriend Henry this year. Do you see the difference? Now it's not about me performing better in this vague, I'll share my faith more. It's I'm going to care for Henry. I'm going to care for this person. I'm going to be a friend. To the degree that they will let me. There'll be a limit. It won't be full koinonia. But to the degree that they let me, I will be koinonia with them. I will be in fellowship with them. I'm going to befriend I'm going to befriend somebody who doesn't know uh, Jesus this year. I'm going to befriend them, not as a project, but as a person to person, because that's what God has invited me into with him. So let me say in conclusion, God, people who know Jesus and don't, and even creation can you please hear this, are not resources for your personal development. Repent of that. Repent of treating God as a resource, people as a resource, our world as a resource. Repent of functional relationships and love. Love God. Love the church. Love the lost. Love the city that you live in. Let love redeem your life. Let the love of the Lord Jesus Christ save you this year. As you repent, churn from a performance, resource, functional, contractual, whatever words we're using, to churn rep- to from that and to say, I'm going to embrace love. Because my father has embraced me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna move toward love. I'm gonna make love choices. I'm not gonna think about how well I'm doing. Who cares? Nobody cares. I mean, when I, I, some of you have, have sent, uh, you know, uh, flowers to us and gifts to us for Christmas. Oh man, I just I read every word. I'm so grateful. Some of you gave, uh, gave gift certificates. And I don't go, oh, how much was this one? Oh, okay, good friend. I mean, wouldn't that be horrible? It's just, it was koinonia. And people drew close. And my heart feels knitted to them. Because we're a family together. And nobody measures love in a family. We're too busy enjoying the gifts. And I am praying that 2021 will be that kind of year. We'll we'll lay aside our, our measuring sticks and we will love God, one another, and the world. Father, thank you for saving us out of our self-centered existence. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth, for drawing us into the relationship that you have with the Father. Thank you for saving us, for freeing us from judgment and measuring sticks and rules and ushering us into your kingdom of love. And we, we surrender ourselves to your love. We lay down our judgments of ourselves and others, and we abandon ourselves to you. And I thank you that in that place, as Paul so eloquently said last week, we just even find suffering to be a joy, because we want you to know that we love you, Redeem 2021, dear Father. Thank you that we get to give to Nabil and Marianne. And we get to to tithe. We we get to be in groups. We get to go to work. We get to love our kids and our, our next door neighbor. Thank you for a meaningful year. Because love will define this year. Your love will define this year. Oh, Father, we're excited about 2021 because your presence is there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.